We have, we have two texts uh, that we're going to turn our attention to uh, this evening. The first comes from Isaiah 52, and then we're going to uh, follow up on that with uh, the reading from the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. Uh, I hope that you'll follow along with me uh, the words that are on the screen behind me. Hear now the word of the Lord. Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city, for the uncircumcised and the unclean shall enter you no more. Shake yourself up from the dust. Rise up, O captive Jerusalem. Loose the bonds from your neck, O captive daughter Zion. For thus says the Lord, you were sold for nothing and you shall be redeemed without money. For thus says the Lord God, long ago my people went down into Egypt to reside there as aliens. The Assyrian too has oppressed them without cause. Now therefore what am I doing here, says the Lord. Seeing that my people are taken away without cause. Their rulers howl, saying, The Lord, uh, says the Lord, and continually, all day long, my name is despised. Therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore, in that day, shall, uh, they shall know that it is I who speak. Here am I. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of the messenger who announces peace, who brings good news, who announces salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your sentinels lift up their voices together. They sing for joy, for in plain sight they see the return of the Lord to Zion. And then turning to Luke chapter 2, we will hear uh, beginning in verse 1 and following uh, the account of the birth of Christ according to the, uh, the gospel of Luke. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all in the world should be registered. This was the first registration that was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. For they were there, or while they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. 
When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. This is God's reading offered to us uh, through his word this evening. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Gracious and loving God, I give you thanks and praise for your holy word and the gospel, the good news message that is contained therein. Lord, I ask, O oh God, that you would uh, be present with us as we uh, study your word and reflect on the significance therein. Lord, open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear. Open our minds that we would come to know, understand your word and your will. Open our hearts that we would feel its power. Then by your grace, I ask, O oh God, that you would open our hands, that we would offer grace to the world. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I have a question for you this evening. What is it that you most look forward to at Christmas? What is it that you most look forward to at Christmas? I'm sure it's not Walmart turning Christmas uh, sales in October, uh, but there has to be something that you really look forward to. One of the things I really look forward to is, uh, is, is, is actually one of the things a lot of people dread, and it's those uh, big, big, big family gatherings. Uh, do you dread them or do you look forward to them? I, I, I look forward to them. We don't always get to make it because we have uh, multiple extended family gatherings and, and the schedule across the holidays is crazy. However, uh, when we do get to go, I'm always brought back to my roots, like to those like like deep ingrained heritage connections, right? Uh, we go to a grandparent's house or uh, an aunt's or an uncle's house, some house that's familiar, that, that, uh, that, that brings about smells and feels and relationships. I see cousins and aunts and uncles that I otherwise wouldn't see the entire year round. But then in those spaces, we get to reconnect and relive so many memories together. I really anticipate those family gatherings. I know some of you dread them, that's okay. Um, I also really look forward to cookies. Uh, I heard that we had some homemade Christmas cookies in the back. If there are any left, uh, I hope that you are successful in getting there before I do because I haven't had any and I expect that I'm going to get some as soon as worship is over this evening. Um, I love Christmas cookies. There's, there's one Christmas cookie in particular that, that makes Christmas for me. And uh, since my grandmother passed away, I don't get them every Christmas, but um, we, we call them forgotten cookies. I really don't know what their name is, but they're like these white puffs with chocolate chips in them. And, and when you put them in your mouth, they melt. Like literally, like, like I think sugar just starts infusing into your veins. Uh, and they are so 
uh, so magnificent. I love forgotten cookies, and whenever I have them, it reminds me of Christmas, and it reminds me of my grandmother, and I anticipate it every year. What do you anticipate at Christmas? It, maybe it's for, for you uh, Christmas morning. There's something about Christmas morning. Uh, as I look out, I see uh, the students in, in the crowd, and, and I think that some of you might really look forward to Christmas morning the most. And I don't blame you. I mean, why wouldn't you? Santa Claus comes, and everything is awesome. And, uh, and I, we, we used to wake up like at the break of dawn, actually before dawn. We would set our alarms early. But I remember like... like like the scene you you your scene is going to be a little different I want you to remember your scene our scene was uh, I have three sisters we'd all wake up uh, we'd gather together on the stairs my older sister what who is the oldest would go down into mom and dad's room she would kind of jump on their bed and wake them up and tell them we were ready and then she would come and she would wait on the stairs with us and we would all be waiting on the stairs no one peeking I promise and uh, and and we would all be waiting there and and whenever Mom and dad got ready. Uh, mom would get set up so she could take pictures, you know, with the old film and all of that, you know, that had to get developed later. You couldn't check and see you had the right pose. And, and, and dad would come around and he would release us. And we would turn the corner and see what Santa had brought us, what was under the tree, and we would go nuts, right? Uh, do any of you still go nuts? Uh, is, I, I, I still treasure and anticipate those moments right there on Christmas morning. I also anticipate uh, this moment, this very moment. Uh, Christmas Eve worship is um, it's unparalleled for me. And I want you to know, I look out uh, on you this evening and you look good. Like, for real. Uh, you look awesome. And did, did you see Zach had a tie on? What is up with that? Uh, it, must be, it must be Christmas uh, because you aren't normally this fancy. Uh, something special is going on this evening. And, and, and not only that, students, I want you to know I see you. Normally, I see you in athletic gear running around, like, and I don't think it's been washed, nor do I think you've been washed. But today, today, I think you actually took a shower. Praise God. Uh, and, and you look awesome. Uh, earlier this evening, uh, Lauren had a big reveal for me. Uh, she got Sam ready for church this evening, and I was uh, putting my final uh, preparations together for the evening, and she brought him in and held him at the door and said, and now the big reveal, here is Samuel James Burnham. And he walked in, and I was blown away stunned because he looks super clean, like <laughs> He looks so good. Uh, I'm jealous because I could not wear what he is wearing. Uh, there's something not only about Christmas Eve worship, but, but about this getting dressed for Christmas Eve worship. You know, it used to be whenever I was growing up that you had to do it every Sunday. Uh, Lord, thank you that that has gone 
away for the most part. If, if you still want to, you're welcome to come here with a suit and tie every week if that's, if that's your deal. But, but, uh, but there's something about that, and it's actually rooted in this Isaiah text that we read this evening. Uh, you know, our, our, our grandparents uh, that, that, that held to that tradition that you, that you get dressed in your very best on Sundays, held to this Isaiah text as, as pointing to that. There's actually, uh, in the Isaiah text and the Luke text, there are three different references to clothing or to garments or to something that people wore. And, and, and they're all woven together, tied together uh, in, in pretty profound ways. So, so I want, we're going to go through them together. The first is in the Isaiah text, uh, where, where it talks about uh, the clothes, uh, the, the accessories, the things uh, that the people of Israel are wearing in their state of, uh, of isolation from God. It, it goes like this. It says, uh, it says that they uh, are in the dust, that they're captive, and that they have bonds around their necks. And then later on it says that they've been sold for nothing. So all of these references are to say that the people of Israel are like slaves at this time. They're, they're, they're not literally slaves, but they're figuratively and spiritually slaves. They're in bondage, in fact. And, and this bondage, uh, it's, a, it's, it's shackles around their necks, in fact. Not, not just what, what you think about a prisoner in chains around their, their wrist or their ankles, but even around their necks. And so we have this profound image of a slave in the dust, on the ground, probably in my mind's eye, it's, it's on his or her knees with shackles around the neck. I mean, this is, this, is, this is the image that God sees when he looks down on his people in their state of isolation from him and, and, and the result of their rebellion from him. And not only are they slaves with, with, with slaves' clothing, but they're, they're, actually, they're actually slaves who were sold for nothing. I mean, you would think that every slave has some value, right? Like, 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 like if you were to be sold, that, that, that you would have some value. And in fact, the, the prominent way that slavery worked in Jesus' day and, and even in the times of the prophet Isaiah is that you became a slave uh, whenever you owed someone money that you could no longer pay. And, and slaves uh, would be sold, uh, bought and sold one to another, uh, but it always began when someone uh, owed a debt that they could not pay, and then they were enslaved as a sign or a form of their payment. And so every slave had some value. So for God to speak through the prophet Isaiah and say that you were a slave who was sold for nothing, not only talks about the, the clothes that they're wearing or their, the state that they're in, but the spiritual and emotional emptiness that existed for the people of God. This is a profound emptiness. The second uh, uh, reference to clothing, I'm going to jump over to the reference in the, in the Gospel of Luke. It actually talks about it twice. Uh, it, it, 
it, it talks about it first when Mary and Joseph uh, are looking for a place to stay. Finally, they find an inn that will take them in but doesn't have a room for them. There's no room in the inn. The actually uh, only place they can find is in the stable. And as they, as they gather together in the stable, Mary gives birth to uh, their, their child, Jesus the Lord. And as Jesus is born, what do they do? They, the word of God says they wrap Jesus in bands of cloth and they lay him in a manger. And I think about this, this state of, of Jesus, the, 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 the physical state of Jesus, that, that he would have such humble beginnings that, that it, it's not even clothing, but it's bands of cloth. And that, that, that as he laid his head down for the first time outside of his mother's arms, he was laid in a manger, in a dusty manger uh, where animals have, have gathered and have eaten and and. and his bands of cloth probably had hay stuck in them as he uh, had laid there. And I think about the humbleness, maybe even the humiliation that it would be to have a child enter the world in such an estate. I think about why that had to happen, though. It, it didn't just happen. It had to happen that way. Um, it had to happen that way because uh, it, the, the outward appearance of Jesus in that moment and, and the surroundings of Jesus in that moment reflected the actual uh, deeper fact that, that as Jesus was born, God was made flesh. God Almighty uh, offered his only son uh, and his only son came into this world uh, carrying everything that we as humans carry. Carried our brokenness, carried our sin, carried our sickness, and carried our, 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 our humanity. And so as Jesus enters this world so humbly, he enters it in a way that reflects what God would look like taking on the burden of flesh. The last of the three references is a reference to, to, to what it is that, that the people of God are to do when we realize that the Lord is coming, when we, when we, when we see on the horizon that, that, that the Messiah is near and, and the, the, the word comes from Isaiah uh, and it says that when you, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to put on beautiful garments. You're supposed to put on uh, magnificent garments. And, 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 and it's an acknowledgement of the transformation that's taking place from one state to another. And, and it even says when it talks about the fact that, the, that, that you are slaves and you're in the dust, it says take the bonds off from around your neck because you can do it now when Christ has come. Uh, get yourself up out of the dust. You're in the dust. Get up out of the dust and, and take off slave clothes and put on beautiful clothes because Christ has come. There is a total transformation that is taking place in the way that we experience the entire world at the coming of Christ. That's made possible 
because Jesus was born. There's one more tradition that I really uh, am thankful for and I anticipate every year. It's uh, a tradition that my wife Lauren and I have and we inherited it from her uh, from her parents and I believe from their parents and so on. And I didn't know about uh, this tradition until we, we were uh, we were married and then in December we're getting ready to put up our, our first tree and, and we don't have a tree uh, and uh, we are going, I'm told, to go buy a real tree. Now, now I liked real trees, but my mom was allergic to real trees, so we never had real trees. And so uh, I was kind of curious about this and then Lauren filled me in on the tradition. You see, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to get a real tree and at the end, after our first Christmas, uh, as we take it down, we're going to cut the base of the tree and we're going to have a Christmas log. And, and every year at Christmas, what we're going to do is after uh, Christmas Eve worship, we're going to gather together as husband and wife and we're going to get a candle and we're going to light a candle on our Christmas log. And uh, we're going to enjoy one another's company. And... Uh, as we have kids in the future, after the kids uh, go down to bed, but before Santa comes, we're going to have this moment where we look back on the year that was and give thanks and look forward to the year ahead, and we're going to light a candle and the wax will run. And what's beautiful and what I didn't realize was going to happen is that, that, that each year uh, we get a new candle and every year a new layer of wax forms on our Christmas log. And every year we get our Christmas log out with the rest of our Christmas decorations and we put it in a place of prominence. And I look at that Christmas log year after year and I could see this year we're about to light our 18th candle on our Christmas log. And I could look back and, and every year has a, a layer of wax now on the candle. Some years red, some years white. We've never done green. Maybe that's a tradition we need to start. Uh, but but a, a new layer of wax forms. And I could look back and see in each of those 18 years I know everything was different, but some things were the same. Y you know what I mean by that. There, there, there are years where things were really hard. You know, this is our 18th year. Some of y'all, you got, you know, your, your 40th or your 50th or your 60th year uh, of Christmas together. But some of those years were hard. And some of those years are the years in which we had kids. And sometimes those were the years that were hard. <laughs> and uh, some of those years we had moved. And some of those years we were planting churches. Um, but each and every one of those years, um, whether we had ex experienced great loss or great joy, whether there was pain or whether there was magnificent healing, no matter what had taken place, we could look back and we know that we had just worshipped on Christmas Eve and each and every one of those years, Christ was born anew in our hearts and anew in our families. You see, each and every year, something different might be going on in our lives. And for you this day, I don't know what's going on in your life. 
I don't know what brought you here to worship this evening. Some of you might have experienced some pain or some loss this year. Some of you might be going through a really rough time. Some of you might be down in the dust in slaves' clothes, in a humble estate. And you need to hear again that Christ took on that humble estate and was laid in a manger for you. So the Word of God comes to you today. And the Word of God says, pick yourself up. Pick yourself up from the dust. Shake it off. Take off those clothes. They don't belong to you anymore. Loose yourself from the bonds of pain, from the bonds of sin. Understand that you have been redeemed. Jesus has been born, and it's not just a once upon a time sort of a story, but Jesus has been born this day for you, for the first time or again. For the second time or for the 20th time, Jesus has been born for you. Put on those beautiful clothes. And I don't think it has to be literal. I want you to know that you look beautiful today. You look awesome. And there's nothing that you can do about it. It's all because of Christ, the Lord. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for the coming of your son, Jesus Christ. Um, Lord, I don't know what uh, what the year has been uh, for each soul in the room, but I ask, oh God, that whatever it has been, we would now dedicate it to you. We would look back and say, Lord, you've been present. In times when I didn't know you were present, you've been present. In times when I've needed you, you were very near. So Lord, we call, we call upon your name, the name of your son Jesus, and we ask, oh God, that you would help us to celebrate again what it means uh, for you to come into this space, into this time, into our lives, and to meet us. Lord, help us to shake off everything that was so that we might be totally and utterly, absolutely yours. Lord, we thank you for the work you're doing in our midst, the work you're doing in our lives. For those things, we give you thanks and praise. God, and as we uh, continue in worship uh, and we enter into this time of holy offering, Lord, we ask that you would bless this time of offering, that you would bless uh, the gifts and the givers alike, Lord, that all that is done this evening would be uh, given to the kingdom-building work of your church, that, that you would be glorified, that you would receive honor and praise through everything that is done. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.